Okay, let's take our Bibles this evening. And turn to Genesis chapter 4. <coughs> Genesis chapter 4 this evening and let's read verse 5 as we begin. It says, Under Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for this day. We thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> the opportunity we have to gather around your word, uh, even in this manner. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just speak to each of our hearts now this evening through your word. Lord, may we come with hearts prepared to receive uh, the truths uh, of your word. Lord, empower me now, I pray, through your Holy Spirit. I pray that this evening it would be your words, it would be your thoughts, and that you would uh, meet each of us where we're at, and that, Lord, tonight we would be left uh, singing your praises and giving all glory and honor unto your name. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, Genesis chapter 4, of course, we, we started looking at, and, of course, we saw that at the start of the chapter you have these two sons, Cain and Abel. It's too loud for me. Okay. Yeah, these two sons, Cain and Abel, now it's, now it's gone off. All right, that's better. Sorry for everyone at home. In here I'm just struggling. Okay, chapter 4 begins with this introduction of these two sons, Cain and Abel. And we saw that Cain, of course, was their firstborn son. And we saw that his name means gotten. And so he was named in, in a declaration of faith. Uh, Eve believed the promise of God, the promise uh, that he would send the seed of the woman to crush the head of Satan. And Eve believed that Cain was the fulfillment of that promise. Uh, basically, it was, it was Eve saying, I've gotten him. Here he is. And so she believed Cain was the promised seed and named him in faith. And then, of course, the second son, Abel, uh, was named uh, his name, sorry, means vanity. And we saw this is a reference to the reality that now all creation <coughs> is subject to vanity because of the curse. All creation is uh, just you know, subject to vanity. It's all passing away. It's all going to destruction. And so we have one son named in acknowledgement of the promise, uh, the promise of the Lord. And then we have the other son named in acknowledgement of the state the world is now in because of sin. We have these two sons, Cain and Abel. In verse 3 to 5, we, we looked at last Sunday, we saw these two sons bring their offerings unto the Lord at the appointed time. And on this, this particular occasion, we have Abel bringing the right sacrifice. He brings a blood offering in accordance with the principles that God had had given back in Genesis chapter 3. He brings this, this blood sacrifice in faith and it's accepted by God. We saw that in verse 4 there. It says, And Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. And so God accepted Abel and accepted his offering. Cain, on the other hand, of course, he brought... Uh, the fruit of the ground. He decided he was going to do things his own way. He was going to uh, approach God on his own terms. And so he brought the fruit of the ground. 
We talked about the fact that perhaps he resented the fact that he had to go to his brother to obtain a lamb each time he wanted the sacrifice. He resented that fact. You know, he thought that the labor of his own hands should be sufficient. And so the result is that Cain comes to God with his heart not right before the Lord, uh, with uh, this sacrifice which is the fruit of the grounds. He approaches God in his own way and God rejects Cain and his sacrifice as we read there in verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. God rejects Cain and his sacrifice. And that's basically where we concluded last Sunday evening. We see that Cain, he doesn't take this rejection all too well. You know, verse 5 at the end there, it says, And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Cain doesn't take the rejection well. You know, Cain reacts by becoming uh, angry. He, he's full of anger. He's full of bitterness here. And his anger and bitterness is because God has rejected him, and God has accepted his brother. You know, until now, <clears throat> Cain had probably outwardly appeared pious. You know, out, outwardly, he appeared to be obedient uh, towards God, appeared to be a doing, doing the right things. But with this incident, his heart is revealed, isn't it? His inward pride, his resentment comes out. And it's on show now for all to see. You know, his anger, his resentment wells up inside and it's directed towards God and it's directed towards his brother. And so Cain is in a a dangerous place here at the end of verse 5. He's in a real dangerous place. And this evening we want to now look at the result of this attitude, the result of his bitterness and his anger towards his brother. And so first of all here this evening we see God's gracious warning to Cain. God's gracious warning. Warning, look there in verse 6 with me. It says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now here we see a wonderful thing. You know, Cain, he's, he's full of wrath, he's full of anger because God's rejected him. And in verse 6, what does God do? God speaks to Cain. Now God graciously here comes and speaks to Cain and he, he tries to lead Cain to repentance, tries to lead Cain back to him. Now God didn't have to do this. Now this is the grace, uh, the mercy of God towards Cain. He cares about Cain. You know, Cain's one of his children. God loves him. God wants Cain to turn from his sin, to to deal with his anger, to deal with his bitterness. And God wants him to do it before it's too late. Now in verse 6 we're told that the Lord comes and he questions Cain. He says there in verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? God questions Cain. He asks Cain, he says, Cain, why are you so full of anger? Why are you so bitter about what's taken place? You know, the Lord here is really prompting Cain to examine his heart, isn't he? The Lord's prompting Cain to to look at his attitude, to look at how he's reacted, how he's responded. The Lord questions him. You know, the Lord really here is giving him the opportunity to acknowledge what he's doing and repent. 
And then in verse 7, the Lord proceeds to ask Cain, it says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. Basically, the Lord here says, Cain, there's no justification for your attitude. There's no justification for, for you getting so angry and getting so bitter about all this. You see, the provision was there for Cain, just as, there, as it was for Abel. The provision was there for him to be accepted before God. To be accepted just as his brother had been. All Cain had to do was bring the right sacrifice with the right attitude. All he had to do was come in faith, in accordance with God's command. He had to come in obedience. Now if he would do this, then he would be accepted. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. God says, Cain, the provision's there for you to be accepted. Commentator Morris writes this, he says, In spite of Cain's bitter anger, God graciously promised that he would yet be accepted if he would only do well, which undoubtedly meant to obey his word. You see, God's giving him a gracious opportunity here, isn't he? The Lord says, your attitude's wrong, Cain, but if you do well, you'll be accepted. If you obey, if you have the right attitude, you'll be accepted. God's giving him an opportunity to repent, to have a change of mind about his actions, about the course that he's taking. You know, we shouldn't be surprised to see God do this. Because this is exactly what our loving God is like. Our God is a God of compassion. He's a a God of grace, a God of mercy. A God who is long-suffering towards the sinner. You know, time and time again throughout the Word of God, we see God being long-suffering, don't we? Long-suffering towards the sinner. He gives us ample opportunity to acknowledge our sin, to deal with our sin, and to come to Him in faith. There are plenty of verses in the Word of God talk about His compassion, His grace, His long-suffering. Psalm 86, verse 15, it says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Likewise, in the New Testament, Romans 2, verse 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Indeed, God is long-suffering. He's long-suffering towards the sinner. He's full of compassion. He wants us to come to repentance. And it's no different here for Cain. Cain's experiencing this. God's compassion, God's mercy, God's graciousness. He's long-suffering. God wants Cain to understand that he will accept him if he will come to him in faith. Now, as we read on, the Lord now adds a warning to Cain. A warning of what will happen if he doesn't listen to the Lord, if he doesn't deal with his sin, his hard attitude, of what's going to happen. Verse 7, it says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Basically here the Lord warns Cain. He says, Cain, sin's lying at the door. If you don't deal with your heart, if you don't deal with this sin, sin is waiting at your door and it's, it's ready to pounce. Sin's ready to devour you, Cain. 
You know, if he opened that door, sin would enter in and destroy him. You see, this is a gracious warning from God, isn't it? God's given him this, this opportunity. God says, if you do well, you'll be accepted. And now God gives him this warning. He says, Cain, if you don't listen, this is what's going to happen. God's warning him of the consequences ahead. The phrase at the end of the verse here where it says, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. <clears throat> These are a difficult phrase to understand. And there are various interpretations to exactly what this phrase means. But you know, looking at it this week and trying to figure out exactly what it means, I think you know, translating it as follows helps us understand it. Okay? You could translate it like this. And unto thee shall be his desire, talking about sin, okay? and unto thee shall be his desire, rule thou over him. That's a literal translation of what it says. And perhaps this makes it easier for us to understand. You see, what God's saying here is he's saying, Cain, sin wants to rule over you. Sin wants to control you, but don't let him. That's basically what the Lord's saying. Unto thee shall be his desire, rule thou over him. Don't let sin control you, Cain. That's what God's warning him of here. He says, if you open that door, if you let sin enter in, it's going to devour you. It's going to control you, consume you, destroy you. And God's saying to Cain, don't let it. The commentator at Wearsby, he writes this, he says, The Lord warned Cain that temptation was like a fierce beast crouching at the door of his life, and he had better not open the door. It's dangerous to carry grudges and harbor bitter feelings in our hearts because all of this can be used by Satan to lead us into temptation and sin. And this is what Paul meant when he wrote, neither give place to the devil in Ephesians 4. If we aren't careful, we can tempt ourselves and bring about our own ruin. And that's exactly the position that Cain finds himself in here. There's bitterness, there's anger welling up in his heart and God says, Cain, deal with it now before it destroys you. And so God has graciously warned Cain. We see secondly now that Cain ignores God's warning. Cain ignores God's warning. Look in verse 8. It says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. God has graciously warned Cain, but sadly, Cain ignores this warning. Now here we see the sad consequences that come because Cain refuses to deal with his sin. Cain rejects and ignores God's warning and he continues in his own way and it results in him committing the first ever murder. He murders his own brother. In Matthew chapter 5, Christ taught that murder begins in the heart. And that is certainly where the problem began with Cain. Let's just turn over there quickly. Matthew chapter 5. I know we've been looking at this on Wednesday nights, but it fits in really well here. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, and let's just read verse 21. It says, You have heard that it was said... By them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. 
Whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And Christ here is talking about the whole idea that the murder begins in the heart. It begins with this attitude of anger and bitterness. And that is exactly where the problem began with Cain. He ignored God's warning to deal with his sin, to deal with this bitterness, this anger in his heart. And it manifested itself outwardly by him rising up and murdering his brother. And this event begins in verse 8 with a conversation between Cain and Abel. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 4. <clears throat> in verse 8 it says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. We're told that Cain talked with Abel or spoke unto him or he said unto him. Now what exactly did he say? What are they talking about here? What's the conversation about? Well, the context would suggest that they're talking about what's just occurred. They're talking about the, the acceptance and rejection of the sacrifices. They're talking about what God's just said to Cain in verses 6 and 7, how God's uh, graciously warned Cain. They're having a conversation about this. And, you know, we can imagine that as Cain is, is relaying these things to Abel, you know, and, and I'm sure Cain is expressing his feelings expressing his feelings concerning it all, you know, how unjust he thinks it all is. Now, at the same time, we can hear Abel's response, gently rebuking his brother for his attitude, exhorting him to repent, exhorting him to listen to God, listen to God's warning, deal with your sin, Cain. And we know that Abel would have been doing this because the New Testament calls Abel a prophet, the first of many prophets. Go to Luke chapter 11 with me. Luke 11, <clears throat> Luke 11, verse 49, it says, Therefore also, said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. And the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. And so Abel here is listed among the prophets, the first of the prophets. Now, prophets, you know, they did more than just declare the, the future events. They were tasked with declaring the truth of God's word. And so as Cain is talking to Abel, we can be sure that Abel is, is graciously rebuking his brother. He's telling his brother the truth of God's word. You know, unfortunately, Cain, he refuses to listen. He refuses to listen to his, his brother, refuses to listen to God. And if anything, the conversation here just makes things worse, doesn't it? You know, Cain is already ang angry. He's already bitter towards God and towards his brother. And so this conversation really only fuels the fire, fuels the hatred. The commentator Morris writes this. He says, as they talk together, out in the field, with Abel no doubt urging repentance, while Cain accused God of petty favoritism and his brother of self-righteous presumption, the argument finally became so bitter that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Now that's the point here. The anger, the bitterness in Cain's heart now comes out in his actions as he murders his brother. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, we're told that he did this because his brother's works were righteous. Just turn over there, 1 John chapter 3. 
I'm sure we know this verse, but 1 John 3. First <clears throat> John 3, verse 12, it says, Now, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. He rose up, he slew his brother, because his brother's works were righteous. He couldn't stand the fact that his brother was accepted before God. He couldn't stand listening to his brother preach and teach to him, basically. He couldn't stand it. You see, his brother's righteousness only highlighted his unrighteousness. And so in anger, he killed his brother. You know, in Cain, we see clearly the results of not dealing with sin when we have the chance. Not dealing with it quickly. Promptly. And in particular here, not dealing with the sin of anger and bitterness in our hearts. You know, Cain probably never imagined that he would murder his own brother. But he left sin to fester and grow and it led to terrible results. Now this is why in the Word of God we're told to deal with sin immediately, to confess it to God, get our hearts right before Him. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants us to confess our sin, to agree with Him about our sin and get our hearts right with Him, not, not let it continue on, not let it fester. And in particular, when it comes to the sin of bitterness and anger, we must deal with that sin quickly, promptly. You know, Matthew chapter 5, which we looked at earlier, Christ teaches that very truth. Matthew 5 Again, we looked at this on a Wednesday night not, not too long ago. Matthew chapter 5, we read before verses 21 and 22, but in verse 23 there, it says, Therefore, if thou bring thou, thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. And verily I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Christ there in those verses, as we saw on a Wednesday night, not too long ago, he tells us to do two things. He tells us to deal with it quickly, make it the priority before other things, even before worshipping the Lord, that we be reconciled to a brother, and he also tells us to deal with it promptly. So we do it quickly, swiftly, and promptly. That's what Christ is saying there. Because these things are so dangerous to us as believers, they destroy us, consume us, anger and bitterness in the hearts. Now here is chapter 12. It speaks about bitterness being a root, a root of bitterness that uh, grows and swells from within. Romans, uh, Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see, sorry, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It's a root of bitterness. If we leave it unchecked, it defiles us. And it will defile others. It will destroy others around us. 
See, left undealt with, bitterness, anger has the potential to destroy our lives, just as it destroyed Cain's here. That's what it's done. It's destroyed his life. And so Cain has risen up. He's ignored God's warning. He's killed his own brother. And now we see thirdly that God confronts Cain. God confronts Cain. Look in verse 9 with me. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4 verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And we'll leave it there. God confronts Cain. You know, Cain, he may have thought that he, you know, had gotten away with it. You know, he's out in the field. No one's around to see what he's done. But the reality is that God saw everything. God sees everything. You know, Adam and Eve and Cain's other siblings may not have known, but God certainly did. And so God now confronts Cain about his sin. In verse 9, we see that God immediately seeks out Cain and he questions him. He's got more questions for him. It says in verse 9 there, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Now God already knew the answer to this question. God knew exactly where Abel was. And so God again is asking this question, why? To give Cain an opportunity. An opportunity to own up to his sin, to confess his sin. Now, yet again, God is being gracious. Yet again, God is being long-suffering towards Cain. You know, God doesn't immediately pass judgment here. Although, God certainly would have been just to do so. But God doesn't. He holds off. And God gives him another opportunity to deal with his sin, to be honest, to recognize what he's done. You know, how does Cain respond? Well, Cain responds by lying to God. It says there in verse 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain lies to God. Instead of reacting with humility, humbling himself before Almighty God, Cain instead lies to God. And says, I don't know where my brother is. And he gets angry too and he says, Abel's not my responsibility. Why should I know where he is? He's, he's not my responsibility. I'm not his keeper. And so Cain lies to God and he tries to cover up his sin. Now, I was thinking about this week. You know, this is very similar to what happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden in chapter 3. You know, God came seeking them and God asked them questions. God said, Adam, what have you done? And Adam responded how? By blaming Eve. Eve responded by blaming Satan, blaming the serpents. No, they played the game, the, the blame game. They refused to acknowledge their sin. And here we see Cain is acting just like his parents. He's refusing to acknowledge his sin. Cain's hardening his hearts. And there's only one course of action now for God to follow, and that is to pass judgment. To pass judgment upon Cain. In verse 10, we see the Lord declares that he knows exactly what Cain's done. It says in verse 10, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. 
Now, Cain may have silenced his brother's voice by killing him, but he could not silence the voice of his brother's blood. And God declares that Abel's blood here cries out, cries out for justice to be done, and it testifies of what's happened. Now, in Numbers 35, we're told that the blood of the righteous pollutes the land, and it cries out for justice to be done. And that's what happens here. Abel was righteous before God, and he's been unjustly killed by his brother. And his blood is demanding justice. In verse 11 and 12, God passes judgment now upon Cain. It says in verse 11, And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from my hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive, and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. God passes judgment upon Cain. You know, the curse pronounced here upon Cain is, is really an amplified version of the curse given to Adam back in chapter 3. You know, the Gusik, he writes this, The curse upon Cain was that Adam's curse would be amplified in regard to him. If bringing forth food from the earth would be hard for Adam it would be impossible for Cain. If Adam was driven from Eden, Cain would find no resting place on all the earth. And really that's what it is. It's the, the curse given to Adam and it's now amplified a hundredfold if you like. The judgment of God here was that Cain would no longer be able to produce the very thing that he had brought to God as a sacrifice. Cain's a farmer. This is his livelihood. This is what he does. He's a tiller of the ground. And God says to him, Cain, when you till the ground, it's not going to yield unto you. That's verse 12. <clears throat> when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. <clears throat> Excuse me. The very thing that he was, you know, that he did, it was his livelihood, it was his work. The ground now is no longer going to yield its fruit unto him. No matter how hard he worked, it would not yield its increase. And as such, Cain would be forced to be a fugitive and a vagabond, forced to wander the earth seeking to survive. You know, Cain had to leave his home, <clears throat> he had to leave his family, he had to leave his livelihood, he had to live forever on the move. A fugitive, a vagabond. You know, this was the judgment of God and his life became a constant reminder to anyone who ever saw Cain a constant reminder that God hates sin and God deals with the sinner. God will judge sin. You know, even with this pronouncement of this, this terrible curse, these judgments, there was still the opportunity for Cain to acknowledge his sin and repent and get things right with God. But sadly, this is not how Cain responds and so we see lastly this, this evening, we see Cain's regret. <clears throat> Cain's regret. Look in verse 13. It says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from, the fa from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, Whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. 
Cain's response now to hearing the, the pronouncement of judgments upon him for his sin, for, for murdering his own brother, Cain's response to this is one of regret. It's one of sorrow, but it's not genuine repentance and faith. Now, back in chapter 3, when Adam heard the Lord pronounce the judgment, the curse, Adam responded in faith and repentance. We talked about how Adam, in response, named his wife Eve, which means life. And it was a declaration of his faith in God's promise, of the promised seed coming to deliver them. It was a declaration of faith in God's promise, and it also demonstrated that Adam had a change of heart towards his sin. Adam acknowledged his sin, acknowledged that God was just in his punishment of him. And he placed his faith in God. Adam had the right response. But Cain here, on the other hand, he responds with sorrow. He responds with regret. But what is his sorrow and regret over? It's over the severity of the punishments. It's over how hard the punishment is. Verse 13, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. There's no repentance of sin here. There's no change of heart. There's no acknowledgement of what he's done and a change of mind, change of a heart attitude and turning towards the Lord and asking for forgiveness. No, Cain is sorrow. Cain regrets it because of how severe the punishment is. Cain's concern is revealed for us in verse 14. It says in verse 14, But behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. From thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. <coughs> Excuse me. Cain's concern is revealed. You see, he feared, he feared that as he wandered from place to place, that he would be in constant danger. That anyone who found him, anyone who saw him, would want to take vengeance upon him for Abel's murder. Cain knew that this judgment from God meant he would live his life in constant fear. He would never be able to settle down anywhere. He'd have to move constantly. And so in verse 15, we see that once again, God shows grace and mercy. Verse 15, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. God's grace and mercy once again. God promises Cain, he says, Cain, I will protect you from anyone taking vengeance. See, God declared that if anyone killed Cain, that he would take vengeance upon them, that he would deal with them. And to make sure that everyone was aware of what God had done, God set a mark upon Cain. A sign. Now, we're not sure what this mark or what this sign was, but it worked. Everyone knew Cain was protected by God. Everyone knew not to touch him. And Cain survived and he founded a city and he became the ancestor of a large number of descendants. God in his grace protected him. You know, sadly, there is no record of Cain ever repenting of his sin. There's no record of Cain ever turning back to God. He was sorry for the consequences of sin, but there's no change of heart. 
You know, Cain is a sad example of what happens when sin is left unchecked in our lives. You know, for Cain, it was the sin of anger and bitterness. Anger and bitterness towards God and towards his brother Abel. And God graciously warned Cain of what would happen if he didn't deal with his sin. But Cain ignored God and he went down this horrible path of destruction. As I said, he's an example for all of us. You know, we need to learn from this example. We need to learn to deal with sin early in our lives and particularly the sin of anger and bitterness in our hearts. As we saw earlier in Matthew chapter 5, Christ tells us that we need to make dealing with these things a priority and deal with it promptly. Don't leave it unchecked. Don't let it fester and grow. See, left unchecked, bitterness and anger will only grow and it will eventually destroy us. It will destroy our relationship with God and it will destroy our relationship with others. You know, if we've already allowed it into our lives, allowed anger and bitterness to enter into our hearts and already we're suffering the terrible consequences of this sin, then, beloved, we need to respond in the right way. Not merely with sorrow and regret at the consequences, but rather with genuine repentance. Acknowledging our sin before God, getting our hearts right before Him, and then seeking to make things right with others. Beloved, if bitterness and, and anger is taken hold in your heart, deal with it. Because it will destroy you. It will destroy your relationship with others. It will destroy your fellowship with God. It will destroy your life. Just as it destroyed Cain here. Don't ignore the warning of God. Heed the warning of God and deal with it early. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you that you record things <clears throat> such as this in your word, the, the story of Cain. And Lord, he is a, a sad example of what happens when we leave sin unchecked, particularly, Lord, the sin of bitterness and anger in our hearts. Lord, may we this evening take heed to the warning you've given to us. Lord, you know each of our hearts. May you help us to deal with uh, these sins accordingly and promptly, Lord, before it destroys us, uh, destroys our relationship with you and, and indeed with others around us. Lord, may you bless this night. May we uh, consider and ponder these truths in Jesus' name. Amen.